The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. This show is designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning techniques to help you better enjoy and preserve the capital you've worked so hard over your lifetime to to build. My name is Ken Smith. I'm a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial analysis and the uh, CEO of Seattle-based wealth management firm, Empirical Wealth Management. My co-host is Ethan Broga, who's also a certified financial planner possesses a master's degree in financial planning and is the company head of financial planning here at Empirical. He's also a phenomenal dancer, if you've seen him out there. Ethan, how are you? <laughs> Doing great, Ken. Good to be here. How are you today? Good, good. A lot of, uh, a lot of things happening in the news over the weekend with this debt ceiling. So, Ethan, I thought we could start the show talking about that a little bit. Sounds good. Um, before we do... Why don't you uh, provide our our information and call to action? All right. Sounds good. I like your style. Um, if you have a, a question or you'd like to reach us somehow, uh, you can give us a call right here at the Seattle office. Uh, the number is 800-923-4307. Uh, or, of course, you can always email us as well at contact at empiradio.com. Um, is, that a, is that a caller? Call or email. <laughs> oh, I see. Those are great sound effects. Thanks. <laughs> Sometimes you have to handle business. Right. Um, and, of course, if you're an individual investor looking for some investment advice um, or even just a second opinion on what you're currently doing, we'd love to talk with you as well. Uh, have a chance to you know, dive into the details of your situation and see how we might, might be able to help. Um, and if you're an advisor looking to partner up with a very well-established firm, uh, perhaps you have a, you're on your own right now and, and want to... Um, you leverage the the infrastructure and experience we have at our firm, we'd love to hear from you too. So feel free to give us a call. Well, that sounds great, Ethan. I, I, I wasn't sure if you mentioned um, if you want to give us a call or email us with questions for the show or we'd love to hear stories. I, I think that's something we were talking about before the oh, show. All right. mm-hmm. And some of those stories might be a uh, an experience you've had with with a financial planning situation, maybe um, maybe you were sold an annuity and ultimately you weren't sure that that was the best approach for you. Um, there was a time, and I don't know how frequently this is going on, when people were being sold annuities, and which is a tax-deferred vehicle and IRA accounts as an example. I don't know. Um, maybe uh, 
maybe Ethan, you're you were working with a firm and um, they had a claim to be able to time in and out of the market, and that was their their promise to you, or had some track record of superior uh, returns. I'd love, and I know you would, Ethan, to sure. hear about that and talk about it on the show and uh, relate it back to what we believe is the empirical approach to investing, the mm-hmm. evidence-based approach to building a plan to get you where you need to go. And we know the statistics on uh, professionals and and on individual investors out there who are engaging in certain types of investment strategies uh, that all too often they fall far short of evidence-based way to do things. Mm -hmm. So we believe we can enhance your situation and whether that's with, you know, you're starting out with $100 or you have a hundred million dollars and you want to preserve that i think talking with us and uh listening to the show can be of help so well said thank you ethan thank you very much well uh ethan we've got um over the weekend i was telling you that i was tuned into c-span i really enjoyed watching the the ball being volleyed back and forth between the political parties <laughs> yeah on this debt ceiling and one person or another is holding the economy hostage um, <laughs> with this debt ceiling. And uh, there's been a lot of questions that we've received about it and whether or not a default and um, is bad for the economy, is bad for our stock market, is bad for our investors' investments and treasuries, um, if this is something that could ruin us. And frankly... Ethan, I think to an extent, uh, I'm going to give you my two cents on all this after watching all the political wrangling, the business as usual, Washington politics. I've got all the... You get the lingo down, don't yeah, you? Yeah, after watching You've a, been taking a, good notes. a few hours, I, I think I could fit right in there uh, <laughs> with, their, with all their uh, vernacular. Their jargon. Their jargon and vernacular. Right, right. And, uh, it's really funny. I mean, they give these speeches, by the way, when, I mean, I'm sure you've seen them. Yeah, sure. But I'm not really sure who the speech is for if if they really are thinking the other party is going to be converted. Um, because I don't know if you've ever read anything about negotiating or any Pers- of that, Persuasion. I, I've never never been involved where it says insulting the other party you're trying to persuade <laughs> is the best and most effective way to get them to change their mind. Yeah. I've not seen that in a lot of the best practice stuff that I've seen. Sure. Um, certainly hasn't been a strategy where we sit with clients and and or prospective clients and begin with by insulting them as a part of our persuasion process that they need help. <laughs> um, but it, it did seem to be a very large part. And I don't know if it's more about hey, if, uh, the people who have voted for me, if they see me on here throwing jabs at the other side, that that, that generates more support or makes them happy. Or, Maybe. I, but when it comes to a vote... On an issue that everyone seems to believe is incredibly important, I don't know how that helps get anything through. And what it, it does tend to make me want to do is get rid of all of them. You know, I, I wish there was a way. Um, Just hit, hit, hit the hit the flush button. Yeah, and uh, so some of the things on the political ch- uh, shows and the material I read about, you know, the lifetime politician and uh, having term limits um, with the technology we have, being better able to accommodate people's view points without necessarily having to have all these guys wrangling i don't know the systems work pretty good though overall i think we've gotten to a pretty good place 
Uh, yeah, historically speaking, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah. And and the fact that it is tough, that you can't just push things through easily, can be a good thing. And coming back around, Ethan, I don't know. I I like the idea that uh, because there's a lot of talk about well, most countries there's only one that even has a debt ceiling. I think they said it was was it Norway. Um, that that even has a debt. I'm not sure about most that. countries don't, and mm. even when they have it, it's, um, you know, in in such a way that it's flexible. Yeah. Uh, but what it has caused, if there's any kind of a bright spot, is most people don't like the idea that we're spending continuously more than we take in, and the debt's getting bigger and bigger. Sure. Even though, as a percentage of GDP, we're not that far out of line, maybe with some of the other higher countries I think Japan and other countries have at times had 70% ours is, is pretty low yeah Japan's is really high right now um, about 200% if I recall but oh really the, the main, their GDP but the main issue there is that yeah. the, the people who own the bonds aren't foreign entities they're people who people or corporations who live in Japan you know what I mean like right. with the US debt it's a, a large proportion anyway is held by people outside the country which makes it more problematic if there was a default um at least for them, more concerning. Uh, if Japan defaulted, well, the vast majority of uh, bondholders are, are actually Japanese people. It's 225% right. of GDP. Uh, Japan, Lebanon, 100%. Yeah. Um, so we're pretty pretty far down the list. Yeah, the United States is 58% of public debt. Um, yeah, that probably doesn't include Social Security and Medicare, probably, but even so. Yeah. Point, point being... Um, most people don't like the idea that we would continue to spiral into debt um, sure. and, and not have uh, some management of our budget. And particularly the, the whole gold thing, right, is, A, the government, their biggest pitch is the government's printing dollars like crazy and our debt spiraling out of control, um, which ultimately would lead to our demise and our currency being worthless and our economic system collapsing on itself. and. Fortunately, you would have been happy that that you're holding a large quantity of gold bars to right, right. rescue you from that situation and maintain your global purchasing power. But um, what does that mean for gold if we are getting the budget under control? It looks like they are, and I've said this entire time, hey, I believe that in the end we're not going to default and not pay our treasury interest or not pay on the principal of those treasuries. So that shouldn't be a major concern of somebody selling treasuries, for example, as a result of that. Right, right. Um, <coughs> treasury securities, we tend to hold our shorter term in duration. So if interest rates do go up yep. because our we receive a, a credit rating adjustment, Overall, that may not necessarily be a bad thing. Most of us were expecting interest rates. We're at all-time lows, right, on mm -hmm. Treasury rates. Most of us are expecting rates to go back up anyway. And for those who are lenders who are relying on Treasuries and other fixed-income securities for income, they want those rates to go back up to a more historical level yeah, or normal. an average level. Sure. I don't know too many people who are extremely happy that they're only getting a percent and a half. Of, of interest on their bonds, as an example. So as an investor, there is always opportunity that comes along with crisis and or situations. Um, I, I never really thought that, that they would let 
or run the country into the ground or let us default. So the positive, it's forcing us to deal with our budget. You know, the, the debate about raising the debt ceiling and how it's been done, what, 81 times in the last 20-some years. I forgot the exact statistic. Yeah, something like 74 um, times since 1962, if I recall. Okay. But, and then that's great in that the fact that it's a percentage of GDP. But I like the idea that it's forcing two parties that would otherwise not be compromising in the way they are, because neither one of them likes every part of this. Right? The Democrats tended to want more revenues. Sure. And the Republicans were very adamant about we want it to come on the spending side. And so I don't know that, you know, holding the country hostage order, if it gets them to spend less and and for us to examine some of the revenue uh, issues and get a balanced budget where we start working out of the debt, if, if we all agree that not running a large deficit um, and having large amounts of outstanding debt is a positive, then I like the process. They don't like it because it's frustrating, I think, to them, and it's putting them in a mm-hmm. in a bad political light for re-election and things like that. Ethan, we got to take a quick break. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management. Inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. 
Ken and Ethan. Ethan, we were talking about the uh, the big budget crisis and the debt ceiling and the default. It looks like uh, there's going to be a vote on a potentially agreeable solution of the problem. Yeah, later today it looks like. And uh, I, I, you know, I thought we would move the discussion. I gave some comments about, well, I, I think the process is... Uh, well, can be frustrating and nerve-wracking, I believe, at least. No doubt. They're forced, if there wasn't a debt ceiling, would they have dealt with this issue? And a lot of their decisions around the timing of dealing with difficult issues have to do with re-election. Yeah, right. And um, so I kind of liked the fact that I felt like they none of them wanted to um, put the country into... And all this discussion about the credit rating, by the way, let's mm-hmm. pause on that. I can't see that credit rating has anything to do with debt ceiling. It's based on our financial capacity to collect revenue and our financial capacity to pay out creditors. Right. That the credit rating in the long term should be... That is what should be driving the credit rating. So I don't care what Moody's or anyone else has to say in our debt ceiling. It's ridiculous to think that our credit rating wouldn't be adjusted... If we continue to accrue debt and have no revenue to pay the debt, and our capacity <laughs> to pay the debt becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. Right, right. Um, so the fact that they're forced to get this under control is not necessarily a bad thing if we all agree that we should get it under control. Some people think there shouldn't be a debt ceiling, there shouldn't really be any limit on the amount of borrowing that we can do if if that bar- borrowing is for good reasons, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I, I don't uh, know if you I don't know if you heard this or caught this in, in the last uh, few days, but the um, you know they passed the budget right. They passed the budget what was it six seven months ago uh, for this year. Like they Congress, uh, all, all, everybody agreed on a budget that was for 2011, uh-huh. and they already knew going into the year after the budget was passed that they would be running a deficit of about 1.6 trillion dollars. All right. So everybody at the time agreed that, hey, this is cool. This is the budget. This year we're going to spend $1.6 trillion more than we're going to bring in this year. So I don't like, to me it was a whole, I don't like the idea that everybody already agreed to spend the money. But now there's this technicality about the budget, you know, the, uh, the debt ceiling limit being reached. They should have had the foresight <laughs> to tackle this particular issue back when they set, set the budget, for goodness sake. It's kind of ridiculous to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think it was a politically convenient time then to address that. Everyone just wanted to spend it, right? But my point is, both uh, both houses and and the president and both parties agreed to spend the dough already. Yeah. So I don't even understand why we're having this. Why it's an issue? I mean, I know why it is an issue, but it should be, there should be some mechanism in place that once you agree on the budget, hey, that automatically raises the debt ceiling for the year. Well, don't you believe that part of what's driving this? Um, and you hear about this tea, the, this whole Tea Party situation. Yeah. Um, are are people's uh, current viewpoints? So something that maybe was politically tolerant or acceptable six months ago can change. Do you think that that's a possibility? Yeah, I presume those guys weren't weren't involved. They weren't elected then, right? That yeah. That hey, this is the the public view, which seems to be somewhat whimsical at times, mm-hmm. can change very very quickly sure. to where, hey, well, we're in, a, in the middle of a crisis mode. 
we got to do whatever we got to do, and we got to let these guys spend the money to stimulate the economy. But maybe people are saying, well, hey, I don't know that the way the money is going is going to help us. It'll continue to, putting us in further and further in debt may not may not be the most helpful thing over the long run. And and maybe now they have the, the people who have more political ammunition or ability to get that viewpoint out there and their constituency doesn't want them to to just raise the the ceiling they want them to to say hey I want to hold some of this the government accountable to some of the spending that's going on yeah I, I don't mind the idea of tackling the budget that's not that wasn't my point I, I get oh, okay. I, I get that it needs to be under control I don't think anybody should just any country should just spend without regard to hey revenues right? right that doesn't make any sense to me I just don't like the how, how like all, how it all came about and was highly politicized. Um, yeah, where it became very cantankerous and it was you know um, both sides slinging mud and stuff like that. I just uh, I don't know, and I don't know why any of this mudslinging stuff has to go on other than they're politicians. But why can't they get together and say, hey, this is what we want, this is what our vote is, and we're going to vote this way, you know? And I don't understand the constant all the time spent pointing fingers and wrangling and all the like I was saying watching these guys do their little speeches and nobody's talking about any solutions to any problems they're just talking about whose fault it is that it didn't make a lot of sense to me yeah the the the, the polarization that's going on uh, is is concerning and it's really extreme both extreme views are are unwavering in their view and don't want to compromise on anything it seems like I mean your view about spending does it change when one guy's saying it was the other guy's fault or your fault? I mean, you're either going to be in a position of, I think we need to raise revenue. Right. Or I think we need to cut back on some of the spending. Are all of the spending that we're doing on these programs buckling our belt? And how does all that fit in the context of what we're trying to do with an economic recovery? Does increasing tax rates on everybody, does that help? Does that hurt? On certain parties, does that help? Does that hurt? And you know we're empirical guys here. I, I would have, I would like to see more evidence-based decision making going on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Everybody seems to drum up their own guy that says this: if you raise taxes, it's not going to derail the economy, right? In any kind of way, particularly when the people who you always hear that top percentage uh, can afford it. I'd like to make a, a, a request. For guys like um, Warren Buffett, who say, "Hey, guys like me," or guys like Obama, say, "Guys like me can afford it." Why aren't they sending? No one's stopping them. Is there is there some <laughs> uh, limitation on you making right, the, Warren Buffett cutting a check to the government to help pay for these programs? Where's the donation been? Instead, it seems like a lot of these guys just they want to get their names on universities, on, on foundations, on all these great things. But I don't see any of them quietly cutting checks. Um, and, and in fact, I, I would venture to say that when you look at these guys, they're the ones with the attorneys who are figuring out ways of reducing their tax. I don't know, you know, there's no, nobody stopping Obama from giving all his money from writing books or, or whoever the political party is here. George Bush, uh-huh. no one's, he was a big spender, right? He loved to spend money, loved spends money on defense. Why doesn't he cut a check to the military if he likes it so much? Does he really need all that money to live off of? Is it really going to affect him? He's not putting it back into the economy. 
he's going to give. They're going to Warren Buffett's giving it away anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bill Gates too. So right? I, I just don't understand why Bill and Warren and all these guys, if we have the, they sit around and and weigh in on all of our problems and their solution often is we should all be paying more tax. But why aren't they cutting a check? Why don't they say I'm going to start? I'm not going to wait for the government to change the tax code. I'm going to stop at taking advantage of tax loopholes and tax opportunities, and I'm going to start cutting a check today. I, I, I don't understand how someone can go on a show. I'm going to pay ten percent. Saying extra. everyone else here should pay more tax because guys like me can afford it, but they, they don't give anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good point. Am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> he should say not only that, but I'm I'm cutting a check. Here's here's a billion bucks. Right. That I'm going to hand over to the Treasury. U.S. Treasury. Yeah. That they can put to fund. Please go ahead and pause hey, We're on, trying to shore up Social Security, whatever it is. Right, right. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Can you add like this to go to this particular entitlement package? I wonder. You know? I wonder. I want this one on the research on frogs or whatever it is. Um, I just don't see these guys putting their... They're putting their money in a lot of areas where it seems like they get a lot of notoriety for. Right. Um I don't know if that has anything to do with it because I don't know how uh, how much <laughs> bang you get out of I donated to the government, you know, a couple billion. But when it's for all these other causes, they they seem to get a lot of publicity about that. Right, and it's they I, get some goodwill, right? The public goodwill because I mean, if let's say he died, like Warren Buffett dies or something, right? And then it didn't have an estate plan for. Let's assume for a second he doesn't have an estate plan. How much would the estate tax be, right, for him? It'd be enormous if he didn't have an estate yeah. plan, right? Well, in the estate plan, I'm sure there's an, an, the biggest part of the the single biggest beneficiary is going to be a private some type of charity to avoid the estate tax. So it doesn't go to the government, but the government could use it though too. They could use it for any cause you want. Yeah, just <laughs> interesting. I just don't. I've always and that seems to be like oh, that's a waste of money, right? People's thought is that's a very big waste of money. Why would you just give it to the government? But I mean, gee, why not? In, in a sense, I mean, if you're, especially if you're willing to wait. Well, particularly when you think the the position the government should have is taking care of all of us, right? Whether it's defense. I mean, if I don't know how. Um, okay, say say you're one of the Republicans in the country in our way of life, and you feel that us spending on defense is critical. I don't know how you could have a more important feeling that why wouldn't you be donating to the defense fund? A little extra. Yeah. You know, hey, you can. Obama, you can afford it. It's reasonable. Um, I know that's probably not his priority, but one of the Republican guys. Right. I don't know. I, I, I could go on about that to me, like how these guys go on and they talk about how all guys like me can afford it, but I never hear him say, that's why I'm giving <laughs> that's right. X amount. You don't hear that. With my regular estimated tax payment, I'm adding an extra million or two. Just, just Nobody's stopping any of these wealthy people from doing that. <laughs> That's true. That I'm aware of. Maybe maybe that is illegal. I don't I don't know. I I, I, I doubt that. There's no way. Well, we got to take a quick break and then we'll we'll come back, Ethan. All right. Start talking about some investing stuff. <laughs> All right. All right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at EMPIRadio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back to Empirical Investing Radio. Your host, Ethan Brogo, alongside uh, Ken Smith here. We've just been talking about the uh, debt ceiling debate going on in Washington, D.C., and um, also had a few other comments and thoughts about budgets in, in general. So We've been uh, grabbing the budgetary bull by the horns here ethan that's what we needed (laughs) more of that (laughs) i love it so um yeah forgive me i I get a little passionate about my frustration going into the break there and um this is supposed to be a financial show i just that the political arena does affect people's confidence and their decisions about their money and their investing And a lot of these problems uh, that inevitably get positioned, Ethan, that they're huge, insurmountable, could be solved very, very quickly and easily. Um, and we were t- <laughs> just to make my last, uh, you know, just throw that little extra drilling in there on this idea of that that the we were talking about Gates and Buffett and all these wealthy guys that. Um, talk about how they can afford to donate, but what we never hear about them saying, "Hey, I cut an extra check to the." Instead of setting up a a foundation and naming it after myself, right? I went ahead and made a uh, you know a, a, a check, cut a check to the to the treasury because I know we need it right now. We're suffering, and guys like me can afford it, right? Um, and so sometimes it does get a little confusing when it's. You know, the guys that are running the country, I would venture to say that most of them are, or many of them are wealthier than the average American. 
that are bickering over whether we should raise revenues or cut expenses. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Many of them themselves have either, you know, they've made money in their own right or they've used their political careers to write books and make money off of that or, or they've, you know, they're in the millionaire category. Um, why don't they lead by example by cutting some checks and saying, hey, you know what, I want to raise the tax rate on guys like myself, and I'm, I'm not going to wait around for us to pass that. I'm going to do that now, is what, what I was saying. Right. Um, Interesting. Or, hey, you know what, my family, my, I, have, uh, uh, I, I have a family, I'm Warren Buffett, when he says, I have a family that's collecting Social Security, Medicare. They don't need it. I can take care of them. So I'll go ahead and do that. Because I, w- I know the government's very efficient at, at doling out the money to places where they, people need it. Maybe it is going on, and we, we just don't ever get told about it. So um, everyone does say that, that, that a lot of the private institutions that are charitable, we are one of the most generous countries, right, that we give when people need it, and we give to so many different causes, which I think are all phenomenal on the private side of things um, I just I just don't hear about it when it comes to giving to the government whether it's the politicians themselves or the wealthy guys out there yeah, or, or, or if uh, if you didn't get a tax write off for making donations right I don't know anyway moving right along what does all this mean um, you know Ethan with with regard to the investment situation that's a good question. That's how, does, how does any of this get you closer or, or put you further away from from you being able to retire and get your kids through college? And we were reading in last week's show statistics, Ethan, that uh, currently people are at, according to a Gallup poll and also a poll done by the uh, Certified Financial Planner Standards Board, mm-hmm. that people are uh, at historic levels of concern about their financial situation and I think it was something to the effect of 66% uh, of Americans polled are worried about their ability to retire and I thought it was odd that 77% of those in the age category of somewhere between 18 and 29 um, were actually worried about being able to retire that it was a high percentage in that category yeah greater than the average of the whole ca- bucket now the people who are already retired had a lower percentage but i it, it does kind of surprise me when these are people in that 1829 for all intents and purposes have a very long time to actually plan retirement and most of them were moderately to very worried about their ability to retire and even if we threw Social Security out and we said, you're never going to get it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's got to be, in my view, a reflection of the media and what's going on in the news. Is if we've got a 9% unemployment rate, how do you get to 70-plus percent of people being worried about being able to retire? Wow. You, you tell me, my man. <laughs> I'm not sure I can. <laughs> That is well, I mean, I think obviously the younger crowd there who doesn't uh, concerned about it, um, you know, they've grown up in a in the last ten years, and it hasn't been a very good decade. So it's probably, I would guess, uh, on their minds as well, quite a bit. And in some sense, good, right? I mean, it's always better to 
um, be conservative in your planning and you know be concerned about it that way you're more likely to do something about it all right well so i i'm just saying that in essence regardless we're gonna we're, we're going to go through good times and we're going to go through difficult times we're going to go through good and bad times economically politically um and socially i mean we're going to go through times where we do have wars which we've had yeah i'll go um you know, we, we often talk about this, well, Jesus time, it's different. And it, whenever we go through a tough scenario and it's like, well, wow, you know, when we were going through World War II, that wasn't tough. If you were out there and trying to build a retirement portfolio through the Great Depression, that wasn't tough. We'd never been through anything like that. Yeah. Um, it was incredibly tough. You have people jumping out of buildings. I'm not hearing about massive quantities of people jumping out of a building um, in these last two market downturns. Yeah. Some we, people, I think, in the first there, the uh, one I heard some day trading scenarios, but not not to the to a great extent. Right. Yeah, back in the tech tech bubble, you mean? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, in my view, the the future is always uncertain. That is the nature of the future, and you know, it's one of those things where you look back over the last hundred years of of history here, um, the market has overcome every obstacle, and there's been some severe ones over time. I mean, we can go through a laundry list of events that are uh, catastrophic, you know, earth earth shattering, you know, change globally how we view the world, and uh, yet, yet investing has always been a good idea. So I don't think that you shouldn't stop investing. That doesn't make any sense in my view. You know, we were at a presentation not too long ago, and one of the concerns one of the folks raised was that at that, that exact thing, you know, what about the future? And you know, short of uh, you mentioned something about. Um, sure of there being no stocks in the world any longer. You know, the, the best strategy is one to just be disciplined and, and stay stay invested at your allocation that makes sense for you. And you can spend more time figuring out a world where stocks don't exist. That'd be that's a pretty amazing thing to think about. Well, and theoretically, Ethan, you you don't have to be invested in stocks, bonds, or gold. True. To build a savings for retirement now. The problem is if you just put it under your mattress or in a bank account, um, again, we're assuming, I'm assuming that 90% of people are getting some, are employed, right? If nine nine plus percent are not, that means there's 90% of the people out there that are generating some kind of an income mm-hmm. and stepping aside from some of the intricacies of the definition of those who are looking for employment and all that kind of stuff that goes into the unemployment rate. Right. Bear with me on that. But let's assume there's a large amount of people out there that actually are still drawing an income. Um, and during that particular time, the the idea of sitting down and figuring out, because the other statistic was how many people have actually even sat down and generated a plan to get to retirement. And it was something to the effect of 17%. Wow. So here you have this very large number of people who are worried about being able to retire, but a very tiny number who even sat down and tried to figure out, well, if I didn't get any interest, I'm just totally adverse. All I'm going to do is buy CDs or whatever it is you think that is going to be safe. You fill in the blank there, put it in your mattress. Um, there still should be a, a high level of confidence if you give or have, a, have enough time and you put a strategy together to start to save. It's a little odd to go, well, hey, I'm, I'm worried that, um, you know, Ethan, if I said, hey, I want to take a vacation, I'm going to take a big trip. 
I'm just a little worried that I'm not going to get there. And you're like, well, have you planned it out? And I'm like, no, I haven't made any plans. <laughs> well, do you know how much money it's going to cost? No, I have no idea. Well, do you know how you're going to get, you know, do you, do you figure out how, how far you have to travel every day? Are you going to take a car? Travel? I'm not thinking about that right now. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm caught up in right now. I'm, i got to go to work. i got to deal with the day-to-day. Right. I don't have time for that, but I'm upset that I'm not going to be able to take my vacation. <laughs> That's pretty good. Of course it's good. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But that's what it's like, right? And I think maybe it's because people don't know where to start. Maybe it's because they turn on the TV and they get inundated with negative information. Could feel hopeless anyway. Yeah, that makes it feel like, hey, this is all overwhelming. I can't invest because if I do, I'm going to get screwed anyway, right? Right, I, I, because everyone's out to rip me off. We get hammered on this deal, and uh, you know, we get hosed down. And our encouragement is let's let's try to look at the reality. Let's look beyond the headlines, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back. And Ethan, I'd like to talk about what people can do instead of what they can't do. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. With Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Ethan. 
Alrighty then, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We are Ken Smith and Ethan Broga, Certified Financial Planners, talking about the uh, turmoil in the markets. Ethan, with the debt ceiling and um, budget crisis and all the stuff going on politically, and uh, I was just going going over some of the statistics here that people are, are concerned uh, than historically. Right. And I got to believe that's a headline scenario um, because it's odd when only 17% of people have actually sat down to make a plan to figure out what they need to retire. My little analogy is how can you be stressed when you had, you don't even know if you have enough money or not? I'm worried about it, but I don't even know what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And so I thought in this last segment, Ethan, we could talk about what should people do? What's the best approach? And I think this is where the real um, long-term kind of money-making strategies here come in. Um, what can people do? You know, we hear a lot about what all the bad things that are going on and, and all that kind of stuff, what we can't do and what we shouldn't do, but what can we do? Right. You're the head of planning. What, what can people do? Well, you know, I would probably suggest that... Um, you know, you seek some professional help is probably my first advice. I mean, how many times have you retired? How many you, times you have get, you retired? You get, you get one chance at retirement. Right. You probably want to make sure you do it right the first time, right? So in my view, it's, it's best to get some professional help. And it should be somebody who's objective, you know, hopefully maybe a CFP, you know, as a certified financial planner. And can, somebody you can, you can really trust and be objective to help provide you with the, the, the guidance that you need based on your specific circumstances. Um, there's a lot of rules of thumb out there that you could use as an individual. Um, I, I don't find those helpful at all. I think you need to have an independent third-party opinion as to where what your status is <laughs> and therefore back into what it is you need to do to get to retirement. Right. That's what you need to do first step. Um, that person, if they're qualified, they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. And they're going to ask you, hey, how much, how much do you have in retirement saved so far, dedicated for that particular purpose? How much will you be saving between now and the time you want to start taking, you know, taking your retirement and, and pulling money out of the portfolio? Um, do you have other sources of income in retirement, like 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 pensions or Social Security? Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this in the show too. The timing of Social Security benefits. When is that best? You know, best done. Well, it's it's up to an individual circumstances to help figure that out, right? There isn't just one blanket answer for everybody, right? Right. Yeah. And so you take all of those things if you want to, and then that should help you back into an allocation. You know, a, a portfolio that has a, the correct mix of stocks to bonds. And, and I, when I say stocks, I mean global equities. I'm assuming that you'll have a globally diversified portfolio. And, you know, you run the test. You run the Monte Carlo analysis. And, and rather using some simple linear return calculations for that, you need to have a, a sophisticated planning tool that accounts for some of the, the random returns of stock market returns over the years. And most of us, the reason why, we were saying before the break, why, why not just put it all in, in your mattress or put it in something? What's the biggest risk to that? Yeah, the biggest thing is, I mean... Most people are going to live quite longer than they think, probably. And the biggest risk over that period of time is, is the silent killer, as we refer to it here, is inflation. Right. Inflation is going to, going to eat away at every dollar that you put away. That's right. At your purchasing power. That is a big deal. It is a big deal over time. Even if inflation is just average, you know, 3 3.5%, 4%, something like that, uh, over the course of the next 30 years. And you have, say, you have a million or two dollars now. In 30 years' time, it's going to be worth a heck of a lot less. Um, than a million dollars. Won't, won't buy a million dollars of goods in the future um, at, at even just a, a normal type of inflation rate. 
And so that is the, the single biggest risk that I, I see is not accounted for in most people's portfolios. It's, uh, I ran those numbers, Ethan, on a million bucks in 1970. Would, uh, uh, accounting for inflation, would it be worth 170, almost 174,000 at the end of uh, last year? Wow. So it took your million dollars that you'd save towards retirement. Yeah. And you said, hey, I want to I wanna get $60,000. I'm going to take 6% a year out of this portfolio because you hear 4 to 6% or yeah, whatever yeah. number you want to uh-huh. use. And uh, you're all fired up because you didn't invest because, hey, uh, the markets are risky. You know, from 1970 to, to 2010, we've gone through a lot of stuff. Tons. Um, starting early in, in, the, in 73, 74, right, the market tanked. Big time would have been early in your retirement savings exercise. You went right into a big decline, mm-hmm. and then several others along the way. Two of which in the last decade. So you put it in the mattress. Now your million dollars that you put away is worth one hundred and seventy-three thousand. How are you going to pull a lifetime of income right. at sixty thousand a year? Right was that original estimate that you made at one hundred and seventy? It ain't going. It's not going to last very long, unless you are Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, where you know, they're probably not worried about inflation too much. They could set aside a pretty juicy chunk, separate from all their foundations and, and, and everything, um, for themselves. And not necessarily worry, but most of us need another engine to keep us ahead of inflation. And that's why you ha- we say you've got to invest in. It's not because we love selling stocks and bonds or these investments. There's a very, it, there's a very practical it, purpose for it. There, it. It's because we realize what most people don't focus on is the effects of inflation. That's it. Usually when you're not saving, you don't focus on it that much because your pay tends to get adjusted for inflation. You just continue to spend the way you always have. Right. But if you do agree that I need to be prepared for retirement, like you said, once you made that decision, you're going to realize that means I have to save some money. And it's really not that great of an endeavor to save it if only you're going to allow it to be eaten away by inflation. And so a very diversified portfolio is what we recommend. Right. I mean, if you're investing in your mattress, under, under the, you know, obviously don't expect people to do that, but if you're investing in something that's extremely safe you know, all the time for all of your assets, you're guaranteeing yourself a low return. After inflation, it will be negative return. Right. It's not a good choice. I mean, I mean, certainly some assets are okay to have that way, but it should not be all of them. It should not be all of your retirement assets. And most of us need a higher than inflation rate of earnings mm-hmm. in order to make it possible to save the amount to generate the income that we want. So that's another element uh, uh, for the reason why we need to diversify away and why stocks tend to be an asset class that can produce and has produced a higher rate of return than the other major investment categories, including gold over the time frame stocks have been available in a publicly traded market. Right. Uh, gold, hard assets, real estate, unleveraged stocks versus those other major asset classes have generated the highest amount of inflation-adjusted wealth. So we do believe, for many people, they can be a great inclusion and part of a solution. But you can also wind up ruining your financial plan if you don't do it correctly. So you can do all the savings. You can say, hey, I do need to stay ahead of inflation, all that. But if you don't invest correctly, people lose, and we see the returns. They don't capture market returns in stocks. 
yeah, it only very takes, frequently. It only takes one 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 large mistake to derail your entire plan. So it's it's always best, in my view, again, to get a get a second opinion on that and get some objective analysis. Ethan, well, we've got to wrap it. You wrap it up. All right. Thanks for the show today, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor, or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 